welcome to the preaching ministry of the Agape Baptist Church in George, South Africa. Good morning. Great to uh, see each one here today. Glad that we could uh, be together to worship the Lord this morning, to, um, to hear His Word. If you have your Bible with you there, turn with me <clears throat> to Ephesians uh, chapter 5. <clears throat> Ephesians chapter 5, our text this morning. I'll give you just a, a moment to find that. And um, I'll just make the announcement that the plan is for next Sunday to begin again our uh, follow-up session after the service, after the, the tea, and uh, we'll give you a chance to plan for that. And uh, we'll, uh, for all that feel comfortable uh, staying for that part and are able to stay for that part, we'll, uh, we'll look forward to that. Um, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1 and 2. Therefore, be imitators of God, as beloved children, and walk in love, as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Well, most of you have uh, witnessed uh, children imitating their parents, mimicking their actions, their mannerisms, uh, something like that you may have seen. Uh, where they just want to do things the way we do it, and they're they're always watching and looking, or maybe like uh, this mother and daughter, and uh, they it seems like they're innately, you know, born with some of the some of the same things. But I I think a lot of that is just by watching, and copying what uh, we're doing, or maybe this one here, uh, that uh, that little girl's having lots of fun copying her dad's uh, actions and mannerisms. When he's on the phone, I think um, my favorite one I, I saw was this one here. <laughs> I remember one time uh, uh, following my dad through our, the back of our house. There was a little bit of snow on the ground, and um, my mom calls out to uh, my dad saying, better watch how you walk. And she pointed to me, and he turns around and sees me trying to step in his tracks uh, that he was leaving in the snow. Well, here in our text uh, this morning, we're admonished to be imitators of God. And uh, this word that uh, is translated here, uh, imitate, is mimitase. And you can hear in that the English word mimic. Uh, the, the old King James translated followers, be followers of um, of God and the Afrikaans, wees dan navolgers van God soos geliefde kinders. Well, the overarching purpose and goal for the life of the believer is this process of becoming more and more like Christ. And that is God's purpose for us. And he has worked and is working in our lives to bring about this conformity to the likeness of Christ. We find here in many other places this admonition for us as believers to cooperate with God in this process of growth, this sanctification, 
of halach mocking that we as believers are to be engaged in uh, together with what the Lord is doing in our lives uh, through circumstances um, by the Spirit of God that dwells within us. In Philippians 2 and verse 5, we read, Have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus. This attitude or the thinking, the mindset of Christ, we are also to have in us. And so we're to look at the, the attitudes and the actions of Christ and to imitate him or follow him in thinking the same way that he thought and acting the same in the same way that he did when he was here on earth, uh, we are to copy that. We are to imitate that. We also have other believers uh, that we can look to as examples of these attributes of Christ. When we talk about attributes, we're talking about the, um, uh, the things that we see in Christ, his, um, his love, his compassion, uh, his kindness. Uh, you, you find in Galatians 5 the, the list of the fruit of the Spirit, which is a, is a sampling of, that, of those kinds of attributes that, that pass to us and that we are to, to imitate. Um, obviously, none of us can follow perfectly in the example of Christ. But we should be growing and maturing, setting an example for other believers to follow. Uh, in Hebrews 5 uh, or 13, we read in verse 7, Remember your leaders, those who spoke to you the word of God. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. And we see from that admonition that the Lord expects us as more mature believers to be setting an example, to have a way of life that others can look at and, and consider the outcome of that way of living and something that they can follow. Uh, 1 Corinthians 11, Paul says, Be imitators of me as I am of Christ. And Paul will expand upon this uh, <clears throat> mindset or this example that he that he says you're to imitate in Philippians 3. Turn with me, if you will, there to uh, Philippians chapter 3. I want us to see this passage because it it lays out Paul's own testimony of his goal of knowing Christ. And when he talks about knowing Christ, he he means to, to know Him personally, to become more like Him. Uh, the pursuit, you could say, of becoming more like Christ. Let's begin there in Philippians 3 and verse 7. <clears throat> Philippians 3 and verse 7, he says, But, <clears throat> but, what, uh, but whatever gain I had, I counted as lost for the sake of Christ. Uh, he's talking about the gain that he had you go back in that context, he's talking about the gain that he had in his religious life before he was saved. All of his accomplishments. He was a high-ranking spiritual leader uh, of his day in the Jewish uh, tradition. And um, he's, 
he acknowledges all of that as loss for the sake of knowing Christ. Verse 8, indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. And so you could say was this is a consuming passion, Paul, to know Christ. He says, for his sake I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith. Verse 10, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and that I might share in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible, I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. So Paul is describing this pursuit of of knowing Christ more intimately, becoming more like Him uh, in His life experience, growing in His uh, knowledge of Christ. Verse 12, he acknowledges, not that I've already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me His own. And so Paul is quick to say, not that you should think that I've, I've arrived at this Christ-likeness. I'm pursuing after it. He says, verse 13, Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do. Now, Paul did other things, obviously. But what he's telling us is this is my whole purpose. This one thing I do. Forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the gold for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. That was his, his purpose, his, his goal in life, to pursue after Christ. And he acknowledges one day I will be with him. I will receive this prize. He says, let those of us, verse 15, let those of us who are mature think this way. And if anything Sorry, and if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. Only let us hold true to what we have attained. Brothers, join in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. And so Paul is here admonishing these believers, admonishing us to follow in this way of thinking. Follow Him in this mindset. And He's saying, keep your eyes on others. Verse 17. Join in imitating Me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. And so He's saying there's others who have this same attitude, this same pursuit of Christ-likeness, and you're to to, to see them and watch them and follow them in this, this desire, this zeal for the Lord, this pursuit of Christ-likeness. This is uh, God's plan for us. Romans eight twenty nine. he says, For those whom He foreknew, He also predestined to be conformed to the image of His Son, in order that He might be the firstborn among many brethren. That is our as believers, that is where God's taken us to. One day we will be with Him. We will be conformed to the image of His Son. 
we will be there with him in righteousness. This is the hope that we have in Christ. The prize that Paul is speaking of is like the, the runner who pushes on towards the finish line and persistently following after Christ, knowing that one day we will be with him, fully clothed in the righteousness of Christ. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children. The world will not understand this obsession. And to them, it is a, it is an, it's just an obsession. It's like going overboard. It's like it's too much. It's okay to, it's okay to, to uh, you know, be a believer. It's okay to go to church every now and then. But let's don't go overboard with it. Let's don't get carried away. But if you have this mindset of Paul, those around you will not understand. Especially unbelievers will not understand your pursuit after Christ's likeness. This, you could say, an obsession with being like Christ. Well, like every day waking up and thinking, Lord, what do you have for me today? How can I serve you today? Every decision, Lord, what would you have me to do? That's this pursuit of Christ's likeness, this desire to, to imitate Him and to follow after Him. Let me make just a, a couple of observations, some practical observations about imitating God. Uh, first of all, to, to imitate someone, you need to spend time with them. You, you need to observe them and to, to learn their habits, to learn their, their way of doing things. And this is why children are so naturally good at mimicking us, because they watch us. They see what we're doing. Uh, they see our motions of our hands or how we stand, or they listen to how we talk, and they copy it. If we're going to imitate God, we must know Him. And that begins at salvation. We must know Him as our Savior through the Lord Jesus Christ, through repentance and faith in Christ. Uh, we must also know Him through the revelation of His Word. Um, a lot of people talk about you know, going, going to the mountain or to the beach or, or seeing you know, the beauty and uh, knowing God. And, and there is truth in that. You can worship God and see God in those things. God has revealed Himself through the creation. We see His divine power, uh, His, His attributes, His, of, of His um, godly or divine nature. But the creation is, um, is limited in revealing to us God. We need more than that. We, we have the revealed Word of God that God has given us that to reveal Himself to us and, and what God is like and what He thinks. And we see... Uh, ultimately in Christ, the revelation of God, and we can know Him through His Word. And then thirdly, we can know Him experientially as we live our lives day in and day out in obedience and trust. Uh, we go through hardships, ups and downs, through all of that as we put our faith and trust in Christ, we we get to know Him. We, we live our life with Him. 
And uh, there is a fellowship there. Paul, in this passage in Philippians 3 that we, we looked at, talked about a, a fellowship of his suffering. And as Paul lived his life and many times suffered be, because of his witness for the gospel, Paul acknowledged that that was just getting to know Christ better. Experiencing more of what Christ experienced and how he reacted to those experiences. God is a God who loves us. We are his beloved children. And as such, we are to imitate and follow after him or imitate him. And this section that we have here in chapter 5 from verse 1 down through verse 21 he shows us what he means by that, to imitate, to imitate God. It breaks down into three easily defined sections. Uh, and you see it by this word, walk. He says in verse 1 and 2, walk in love. And then from verse 4 to 14, walk in the light. Or in other words, walk in holiness. And then in verse 15 to 21, is a walk in wisdom. And so this morning, we want to look first of all at this first admonition to walk in love in verses 1 and 2. Verse 2 says, And walk in love as Christ loved us and gave Himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Paul was fond of using this, uh, this word walk as a synonym for living. He used, uh, as you read through Paul's writings, you realize he uses many analogies. He, he talks about running a race or some other athletic event, some sporting event. But his most common analogy is that of a simple walk. It's the normal everyday life. It's the Monday morning. It's the midweek. It's the work day. It's the weekend. It's the Sunday, it's the, every part of our life. It's where we live and interact with other people. And he uses this analogy to admonish us in our daily living, our walk. Uh, he used it earlier in chapter 4. If you remember, go back to uh, chapter 4, verse 1. He says, I therefore, a prisoner of the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you've been called. And he'll expand upon that um, that uh, that he's dealt with. Uh, remember the first three chapters, he, he describes who we are in Christ and what God has called us to and all the blessings that we have. And he says, walk in a manner worthy of that, of who we are. Come on down into verse 17, chapter 4. He, in verse 17, he says, Now this I say and testify in the Lord that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do. And so this um, is something that is in Paul's mind as he writes to these believers, their, their life, their walk. And I want us to notice three things about this walk in love. First of all, it's a command here in verse 2. He admonishes us to walk in love. That's, a, that's an imperative. It's not, uh, well, it would be a good idea if you did this. It would really work out better for you. If you decided to do this, no, this is God's command to us as children to imitate him and walk in love. And Paul's not admonishing us to do something extraordinary. Now, it's not just for 
you know, the most dedicated, faithful Christians that should attempt. No, it's for all of us, all of His children. He's given us a pattern, and He's given us His power to walk or to follow Him. We saw in the previous section, we have a new identity in Christ. And we're admonished to to live according to this new identity and to put off sinful habits of the old way of life. And that we're to put on uh, the new way of life, put on the new attitudes and new actions according to who we are in Christ now that we're believers. Notice verse 24, chapter 4 and verse 24. He says, and put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. That's who we are. And we're to, to put that on. In other words, live that out. Put that in your life and live that out and put off the, the old actions, the old habits, the old way of life before we were saved. You see, this change that Paul is talking about is, is something that God does in us. He produces within us this life we as believers, as we walk in obedience to Him, He accomplishes this work within us. Uh, secondly, we see about walking in love is that we have a pattern. Walking in love has a pattern. Notice that Christ is our pattern for what it means to walk in love. And so to imitate God, we must learn how to walk in love. Uh, Sharon <coughs> Sorry, Sharon sometimes will um, have <clears throat> Will over for an afternoon. So just watch him, be with him for a little bit. And uh, in just those few hours, Will will pick up uh, some of her southern accent. <laughs> he, will, he will start saying words the way that she, she says them. That uh, unique southern uh, American accent. And... As we spend time with Christ, He changes us. Uh, as we spend time in His Word, in prayer, following Him, we, we realize that gradually and day by day, we, we are changed. He empowers us to be more like Him. That is the natural, the natural outworking of walking with Him and following Him. He says that we are the beloved. We, we are the agapetos. The agapetos. And we are to live out our lives in agape for others. This is who we are, and this is how we are to live. Notice the description of this love that he describes here, this agape. He says, as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, uh, this is what it means to love. And especially this Greek word, agape, agape, as often used in the scripture, especially as it's describing God's love for us. We're often admonished to have this love towards one another. It is a self-sacrificial uh, kind of love, a love that gives, a love that's motivated not by 
whether or not the person is deserving or not. It's motivated by this internal compulsion from God to love, this desire to please him. And we see that this is the way God loves. Romans 5.8, he says, But God showed his love for us, and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So if we want to bring that right down to our personal lives, we can, we can measure our love by our willingness to forgive others. There's other ways you can measure your love, but this is a, really gets, gets down to, um, to the center of our heart. Our willingness to forgive is, is a good indicator of are we really loving the way God loves? Uh, if you go back, into the previous chapter, just the next, the previous verse in, in verse 32, uh, Ephesians 4 and verse 32. This is just before he says, therefore, in chapter 5, he says, be kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. There's the pattern. There's the standard for our love is forgiveness. This love, as you know, doesn't come to us naturally. It doesn't come by the flesh, but is supernatural by the indwelling Spirit of God. He says in Romans 5, in verse 5, God has, uh, God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. And so God is, is not just admonishing us to work up something out of our own energy, of our own ability. He has given us this love through the Spirit of God who indwells us, and He is admonishing us to, to walk in obedience, to, to submit ourselves to Him. Daily we're confronted with situations, interactions with people, and we have the choice to follow Christ, to submit to His will or to react and act selfishly, self-centered way, and uh, refuse to walk in love. Imitating Him walking in love requires a walking by the Spirit of God in submission to God. Paul writes it this way in Galatians 5. He says from verse 16, But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, And the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh, for these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things that you want to do. So we have this struggle within us. We have this struggle of the old, unredeemed part of our life that wants to follow in old patterns, old attitudes, and old actions. But God is telling us if we'll keep in step with the Spirit of God, if we'll follow Him and submit to Him, we have power, the provision to follow Christ. And so we have this pattern and the power for walking in love. Christ is the pattern. The Spirit of God within us is the power given to us by God. And so we're admonished to keep in step with Him. He enables us by His grace to do what he's commanded us to do. 
Thirdly, we see walking in love here in verse 2, back to Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 2, is worship. Walking in love is worship. Notice how he says it there. As Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Uh, he's, he's taking terminology out of the Old Testament here as he as we think back to those sacrificial offerings that were made in obedience to Christ, and it speaks to Christ's death on the cross, his fulfillment of all of those types and all of those foreshadowings of what Christ would come to do in dying for us, offering himself as the Lamb of God, as the sacrifice of God. And this, this language that is used there in the Old Testament oftentimes is that God uh, was uh, that this offering, as, it, as the smoke went up, was a pleasing aroma to God. And, and it's, a, it's a figurative way of saying that God was pleased with uh, their offering. He was pleased with their obedience. And their offerings were acts of worship to God that God accepted. And in a more profound way, when the Lord Jesus Christ came and died, God was satisfied. He was pleased with His offering. His offering satisfied God's righteous demands upon sin, His judgment upon sin, our sin. When Christ died in our place, He took our guilt, our punishment, and God accepted that so that we could be forgiven. And this is the language that he's, that he's using here in, in Ephesians uh, chapter 5 and verse 2 as a fragrant offering and a sacrifice to God. The idea that it was fragrant, it just speaks of the fact that God was pleased. God was pleased with it. And the implication here is that God is also pleased when we, His children, act with attitudes of love. When we walk in love, it is a means by which we worship God and God accepts it, is pleased with it as we give unto Him. Paul also used this same kind of language when he was talking about a financial gift that had been given to Paul in his need. And writing in Philippians 4 and verse 18, he says, I have received full payment and more. I am well supplied, having received from Epaphroditus the gift you sent. And notice the words that he uses to describe this monetary gift. He says, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. You see, this church had chosen to send money to Paul in prison and the needs that he had. They, they weren't weren't uh, being coerced to give or made to feel guilty if they didn't give. They, they just gave out of their heart, the desire of their heart, and to Paul, and yet God received it as a gift to him, as an offering to him, something that was pleasing to him. So imitating God by walking in love towards others is received by God as worship. Uh, and it's acceptable and pleasing to him. 
Well, you and I both know that uh, we're not talking about something that's easy. It just doesn't happen naturally. It's something that we have to purposely uh, do in submitting to the Lord and walking with Him. And as we consistently follow Him, He changes us. He puts within our hearts um, His love. And it it begins to become more natural for us. Whereas before, we could have been the most self-centered and selfish person ever lived. But now that Christ has come in to our lives and is changing us and the Spirit of God is, is, is planting His own fruit in our lives, it becomes more natural. It becomes more uh, common for us to react in love rather than in anger or impatience. But it requires from us that we keep our eyes on Christ. Uh, It's easy to fall back into old patterns of selfishness and self-centeredness and to do things our own way. And that life often leads to a discouragement and discontent. And it many times spirals down, down, down. And the way to come out of that is to repent confessing our sins to the Lord and turning to Him again and seeking after Him. And the Lord forgives us. He cleanses us. And He puts us back on the right path. Notice the admonition in Hebrews 12, and we'll close with this there in verses 1 and 2. He says, Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus. That's the keeping our eyes on Him. Keep looking to Him, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before Him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. You see, Christ has gone before us. He has provided for us a pattern of obedience, and He's also given us the power to obey Him through the Spirit of God that He's put within us. And so let us follow Him one obedient step, at a time. Amen. Father, thank you for the admonition we've received this morning that we remember who we are in Christ and that you are our loving Father and that we're to imitate you. We're to follow you. Lord, help us to walk with you through the ups and downs of life and the trials that we face and the discouragement and the heartache and all the problems that we face and many times the It seems that the people around us are causing us difficulty, whether it's at school or work or wherever we're we're facing troubles. Lord, help us to see that you've given us the pattern and the power to obey you and to walk in love and to let the, the love of Christ be seen in us as examples for those who follow after us. Lord, we thank you that you are with us to enable us and help us. And so help us, Lord, today and the week ahead to follow you step by step, watching you and keeping our eyes upon Christ. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise to the Lord, the Almighty, the King of creation. Oh, my soul, praise Him, for He is thy health and salvation. Oh, ye who hear now.
to his temple draw near. Praise him in glad adoration. Praise to the Lord who o'er all things so wondrously reigneth, shelters thee under his wings, yea, so gently sustaineth. Hast thou not seen how thy desires e'er have been granted in what he ordained? Praise to the Lord, O oh, let all that is in me adore. before it. Let the amen sound from me. 